0: Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Friday mornings for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM.
1: Thank you and welcome again to you and the whole family.
0: It is something to, uh, I mean you and I have discussed this topic so many times, Jewish continuity. Um, uh, transmitting values and uh, and tradition and our heritage to the next generation really is an amazing feeling. And I know that you can tell me from experience that it's an amazing and incredible uh, and wonderful thing to uh, watch and enjoy as years go by.
1: The most exciting, and you know, Shimshon Rafael Hirsch wrote that uh, no generation is judged in its time. We're not even judged by our children, we're judged by our grandchildren. Right. Because that's when you really seek come to fruition, the decisions you make and the actions you take, the education you provided your children, that they would pass on, the, the settings, the commitments uh, as Jews, as people. And I think it is a is life-transforming, as you will find out, um, to see that the, as you said, the continuity and the uh, commitment to the future. It's it's something that I talk when I speak about the demographics in Israel and people downplay you know the fact that amongst non-orthodox jews the birth rate is increasing very significantly it's a commitment to the future it's a statement about the future it's why we're here and uh you should have a lot of nachas.
0: amen and i thank you for that very very much um so much to talk about this week. Uh, one of the things, speaking of demographics, it's funny you use that word because uh, we we don't take advantage, it seems. Our community does not take advantage of certain demographics. You know that there are some major congressional races going on in this country. And uh, at the end, of, toward the end of August, just a couple of weeks from now, uh, there are a couple of districts. Specifically, I'm referring to the uh, New York 10th District, the New York 12th District. Um, that have uh, you know, the potential for the Jewish vote to have some influence. And when I examined uh, with one of the experts this week uh, why it is that um, so many, um, so many uh, communities are being approached and are being courted for these districts and the Jewish community is not, it was revealed to me that I would be shocked, and of course I was shocked, at how few Jews in the district actually vote. And I don't know what else there is to say because there's no other action we can take to have the influence that we'd like to have and to have the representation that we'd like to have. I know that this is sort of beating a dead horse because you've spoken about this so many times. But maybe just one more reminder to people about the importance of registering and voting. And now again we see the proof is in front of us that our community could have a potential uh, to, to have great influence in one of the local elections.
1: It, it's uh, so fundamentally important significant has a commitment to democracy as a commitment to the world we want to see every race counts sometimes you see how in congress everything hangs on one vote especially in the senate now but even in the house sometimes it's a few votes that matter you see the commitment that it being that it is being made around the country to critical races but every race is important even if it doesn't become the the focal point of national attention and mobilizations But you can be sure that the forces that are hostile to our interests, even in a city like New York, where you have Democratic Socialists and all sorts of members of the squads, etc., running and people being endorsed by them, that every vote is of vital significance. And there's no excuse now with absentee ballots, with uh, all sorts of ways that you can do it at your convenience to go and vote and make sure your voice is heard. Because even if it doesn't impact the outcome ultimately or get the outcome that you wanted, politicians look and see who votes and who doesn't vote. If we're not there, then they won't care about us and we have to make sure it's that we vote and people be informed and speak to some of your local leadership find out about the different candidates and why why where the interests Uh, for the Jewish community where the interests for the general society lie. It's very easy for everybody to fetch and to make jokes and to, you know, criticize, but this is a minimal commitment that
0: we have to make. And uh, in addition to the absentee ballots, the early voting helps with that, uh, maybe even more so. So everybody, please, especially if you're registered, and especially if you're in the districts that I mentioned, uh, pay pay careful attention to what's going on. And if you're in New York, uh, August the 23rd is the day, Uh, for the final vote, is the day of final voting. That's actual election day for the primary in New York. Again, that's August the 23rd. We'll try to remind everybody as we get closer and closer. This audience, uh, quite clearly from what's uh, been communicated to me over the last 24 hours, is very anxious to hear your perspective on the Pelosi trip to Taiwan.
1: Well, we're still living with the uh, aftermath, uh, the live fire Exercises are still going on. They've escalated economic and other sanctions. Uh, I think once the announcement was made and the line was drawn, she could not back down And without America losing face. I don't know if from the beginning it was really essential that uh, the visit uh, take place, knowing the current circumstances and the uh, the economic conditions, etc. But I think it was very important that China, that We stand up to it. China is eating our lunch all over the world. China is working against America's economic interests everywhere. It is expanding through its Belt and Road Initiative, which has been going on for years. But people don't, and you don't see it because it's not blatant. They don't do things in your face ways that others sometimes do, even Russia, uh, let's say in Iran or Turkey. They're doing it very quietly, subtly, but the results are clear. And if you see what China is doing in uh, Africa, where they are expanding their influence all over and where they are involved in various conflicts and quietly, but mainly exploiting economically uh, the countries, and now in South America, they're buying, for instance, huge swaths of land in Peru they are working together with the Russians, the, the Iranians, the Turks, who are all very active in South America as we are losing an entire continent. And every week another country moves into the bad column. We have very few left in the good column. Bolsonaro, Brazil is one, and he could very well lose in, in the election. You saw Colombia, Chile, to, to Costa Rica. I mean, the whole continent being lost. China goes in, and they're looking for food, so they buy swaths of land and take all the food the produce out. And I have many African leaders who talked about the rape of their countries by by China. So, you know, we look at it in a very narrow perspective, but in fact, it's expanding its influence, and it, it, it loans money to many countries that are in need or does projects, massive projects like the ports. And then... They, when it comes time to pay, two years, five years, three years, you know, and governments think that they got a great deal because they, they get the port and they don't have to pay right away. But ultimately, they all have to pay the piper, and they, and China collects, and this is uh, something that people don't see and you don't hear politicians addressing, but it's a, a very, it's a global challenge.
0: So the food shortage in Africa, the people tend to blame on the Ukraine and the Ukraine situation. People need to realize that there's much more to it.
1: Well, there's more to it in that respect. That obviously, the Ukraine war does impact uh, the exports to to um, countries that are highly dependent on them, like Lebanon, Egypt, Jordan. You know, 70-80% of their wheat comes from Russia and Ukraine. And now the, another couple of ships left the Ukraine, bringing... Uh, Bringing wheat and other uh, grains to to their ports, but it's uh, it's still we could face this winter very bad situation in many countries.
0: Uh, you think that it, do you think the Chinese are going to uh, uh, ramp things up, an actual invasion of Taiwan, or it's impossible to predict?
1: I don't see an invasion of Taiwan. I do think that they have ramped things up, and uh, we're likely to see. Uh, More of it, Uh, China will will press the buttons that it feels are appropriate without jeopardizing its economic conditions. Don't forget, they're impacted also by the economic downturn, and they don't want to sever all the ties. They can do a lot to America. They hold a lot of treasuries. Uh, By the way, we see the upgrade in China's involvement in the Intel services of uh, Syria, which has Israel worried, and the um, and so it's just symptomatic of the outreach and the growth of their influence in in virtually every region, from certainly in, in Asia, and also in the United States. The investments they've made it doesn't really get the kind of scrutiny and coverage that it should.
0: Well, can you tell us about the latest i uh, the latest Al Qaeda operative who was eliminated in Afghanistan.
1: Well, it was a. It's a huge hit. Obviously, it, it's. It is not. I think comparable to taking out Osama bin Laden. Uh, this guy is the head of Al Qaeda, operational head. But Al Qaeda isn't the same Al Qaeda as it was then. But it was a significant move. It was, it seemed well executed. It raises questions about the, the government uh, there allowing in Afghanistan, allowing it. They they claim they didn't know now that he was there. They're very angry. The United States carried this out without clearing it with them. But it's uh, every time one of these leaders is eliminated, it is important. I know people will say, but they're just replaced by somebody else. The fact is that they can't always replace. You know, Soleimani in Iran's removal still has left a deep void, and it, it's something that uh, Iranians are obsessed with still, because they couldn't fill that, uh, that position. And you see the some of the deterioration in their uh, intelligence services and their situation, even though it began under uh, Soleimani. So removing the leadership of the cutting off the head of some of these terrorist entities does have a longer-term impact uh, on their capabilities and abilities and sends a message that nobody is safe. So uh, leaders of terrorist groups have to go back underground or you know, can't operate the, with the freedom that they would like. So it's an important move. I think the fact that the United States carried it out, no civilian casualties, all of the, those aspects are, are important.
0: And uh, you mentioned that it's not the same al-Qaeda as it was back you know, around the time of 9-11, but somewhere I read that membership, uh, the actual number of uh, members, soldiers, I don't know what you call them, of al-Qaeda in Afghanistan and the surrounding areas is actually much larger than, than then, uh, than that period of time.
1: Well, they don't do uh, surveys that give us a really accurate picture, but there are <clears throat> there are reports, and I've seen them as well, about uh, uh, alleging that the numbers have increased. Uh, and you see that, first of all, the the reports that all these groups are dead, that ISIS was dead, Al Qaeda was dead, are not true. ISIS is recruiting. ISIS is building in uh, Iraq and Syria. They also suffered some setbacks. Uh, with attacks uh, on them but they're there and they they you know these are cancers that grow and metastasize and they're able to to um, mobilize people from uh, different sectors especially young people disaffected people and you see their presence in in many countries where they can they're able to pull off and terrorist attacks and you know they operate Quietly, or what appears quietly, but they're usually engaged in in raising money, in stealing money, in holding. In, in Syria, for instance, ISIS and these groups raise a lot of money because they have a protection racket, and people pay to just to buy them off. And in the meantime, they're assuming more and more wealth and and building up their infrastructure. So although you don't, may not see it in a headline, it doesn't mean it's not there.
0: Understood. Uh, we didn't speak last week. There was a meeting between the Prime Minister of Israel and King Abdullah. Any idea what went on at that uh, encounter?
1: Yeah, it's very important. It was the first since uh, of, of Lapid being in office. <laughs> but again, I saw those headlines, and, uh, but he was only in office for, for a short while. So right. it's not exactly uh, as... Uh, but it's important because, um, you know, Abdullah plays the offended party all the time. I think sometimes we give in too much to him. But his stability is really vital and critical to Israel. Uh, they, they did come up with creating, I think, what they used to call QIZ, um, industrial zones on the border between Israel and Jordan. That obviously, it will take a long time till it's implemented. But, in fact, they, they, it is a, a positive sign of cooperation, uh, I'm sure they talked about the, Jordan's role on Al-Aqsa and, and, most importantly, about security coordination, because the, what Israel does is so vital to um, the security of Jordan. I mean, who, who holds them up, if not Israel, on, the, on, on those fronts? And the cooperation for Israel is vital as well. And they they also have arranged to open up the Allenby Bridge, which was one of the demands that was being made. And they also came up during the president's trip to the Middle East. So I think they they um, they have worked out an arrangement that will leave it open. I think twenty four hours a day. I don't know if it's six or seven days a week. And uh, so there was an, an agenda. That they seem to have accomplished some stuff. And you know, a good relations between Israel and Jordan is really vital for both. And hopefully this will be a positive step.
0: It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio, around the world of women, MalcolmSingle.com, on the MalcolmSingle Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Doesn't this New York Times headline say it all? As Iran talks of nuclear advances, negotiations with U.S. restart. And I think that 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 basically says it all, that Iran boasts to the world uh, about how, whether it's subtly or directly, uh, how much they're advancing in terms of uh, nuclear capability. At the same time, the United States and Iran uh, continue to either restart or continue their negotiations.
1: Yeah, the negotiations have been ongoing. They renewed the direct talks in Europe, but it's not with the United States. It's with the Europeans in, in Vienna. Uh, Supposedly yesterday, not much happened, and and we know that in the talks that were held in the Gulf, uh, not much happened. But it doesn't matter. First of all, Iran is buying time. Second of all, we again see that the West is exposing its weakness in the whole approach to the Iranians, who only understand one language, which is strength. If you look at the various uh, things that have happened, you cited the announcements by Iranian officials that they're enriching to 60% which is just a blink of an eye to 90%, that the enrichment amounts, the fact that they are putting in the IR-6s, which are the very advanced centrifuges, which means that they have the capacity to uh, enrich much faster. They've advanced the the, uh, ballistic nuclear site. We know that Russia, by the way, is is supposedly launching a satellite, a spy satellite for Iran, uh, and probably one of the things that came out of uh, Putin's visit to Tehran Uh, And the meeting, the trilateral meeting, which was of great significance and got almost no coverage here, but to see those forces that are engaged in activities that should worry people um, get not, not get the kind of coverage uh, that it should. They're cracking down domestically. They're going after the Baha'i, for instance, and accusing them of spying for Israel. The Baha'i world headquarters are in Haifa, for those who have visited the beautiful gardens there. And, uh, you know, a mother that was protesting her son's uh, imprisonment or death even, and they, they arrested her and they gave her a hundred lashes publicly. They they are cracking, executing more people domestically. Not a peep from anybody. And you see that they just sent ambassadors to Lebanon. They're increasing their ties and their activities in Iraq. They, they are in a terrible economic condition. And the, the domestic unrest is increasing all the time. And rather than exploiting it, we give them ways that they can bypass sanctions, especially on behalf of the... Uh, Iranians, and you know, we we still see American officials keep playing down the talks in Vienna and the likelihood of an agreement, but you know, for for the last two years, certainly in the last year, every week we were told this is the last week, if it's not by this deadline, that deadline, the next deadline, and this is from the highest level of the government, that it's over, it's not going to happen, and yet, now we see that they do renew it. The Europeans are anxious to get a deal at any cost, and the uh, you know the the influence of the, in Iraq the influence in other places of, uh, of Iran continues and threatens us they they're working closer with Russia, although theoretically I mean the Iranians hate the Russians because they occupied Iran during World War II and didn't pull out when the British pulled out. won't go into the history of it, but there's a lot of uh, tensions. But we keep sending a message that you have one week, you have a month, you have a few days, it can't go on forever. And it's gone on forever. In the meantime, they made the advances that they wanted. And now they're going to negotiate, and we'll make further concessions to them. It doesn't doesn't work that way.
0: The parliament in Iraq was stormed because of an Iranian-backed Shiite cleric that's uh, uh, being backed as a nominee for prime minister. Is that how it goes? Did I did I say that correctly? It's
1: against an Iranian-backed uh, candidate, right. uh, Muqtta Sadr. Uh, ordered his people and they have occupied the parliament, which the, the government in Iraq doesn't function. So you don't, I mean, you don't really have a functioning government. So there, it's there. there's just delaying what is really essential because the conditions there are ripe for, for the infiltration by Iraq, by, by, of Iraq, by Turkey, by others, uh, certainly Iran. Turkey is Goes after the PKK in northern Iraq, and there's talk that they would want to go in and occupy part of it, or, or you know, to cleanse the the, the PKK as they do in in Syria. And it's one of the interesting sidelights of the three meeting in in Tehran is that they, you know, they they sit there and talk together, but every combination of the two of them oppose the other. They oppose. Iran's expansion in in Syria, they oppose Turkey's expansion in Syria, the the certainly in Iraq and issues along the, their own borders in the north, and yet they come together in an anti-American stand, and we allow and we have allowed as uh, things to develop with from the UAEs sending an ambassador back to other cooperation that's going on and. And the bypassing of the sanctions allowing Russia to export via Iran, from which they make a lot of money, all of these things contribute to to a lack of credibility and at the same time changing the facts on the ground, which are obviously of great long-term and short-term consequence.
0: Uh, I read in the Jerusalem Post that the Palestinians are demanding a change in leadership. Is this the the typical, um, you know, people getting fed up with uh, Mahmoud Abbas, or is this now a renewed type of effort to really, you know, revolutionize what's happening there in their government?
1: Well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, every poll has shown the unhappiness with uh, Abbas, who's, you know, in his mid-80s and is in the... 18th year of his four year term and uh, does not want to hold elections because all the polls showed that Hamas would probably win in in the the areas under PA control not talking about Gaza where obviously they are in control uh, the the dissatisfaction amongst young people there are movements by al-Kidway uh, as you saw started another movement against it and the um, economic conditions there are are, are obviously very bad all the money that they get gets uh, wasted. You saw that they increased the payments to some of the terrorists responsible for the death of Israelis. So pay to slay is fully enforced, and they publicly announce it. They publicly challenge us. We just gave them a couple hundred million dollars to the hospitals. To it's not to the government, but the you know we're undermining the impact because money is always fungible, and the, to see that the PA is able to continue to, to, um, to, to take the money and, to, um, and, and we see that they're also arresting a lot of people domestically. There's been a crackdown on the people uh, in the PA, so unrest regarding the PA is very high. The danger there is that you could end up with um, uh, somebody even worse than Abbas uh, coming to, to power.
0: Yeah, understood. Do we hear anything about the Israel election? I mean, maybe in Israel itself, there's more uh, being reported about the uh, uh, about the the polls and then uh, the the you know what likely is going to happen in terms of the numbers, etc. We don't hear much over here. Has anything happened of significance over the last couple of weeks? Well, the,
1: the reason you don't know hear is because this is really a transition period. Uh, first of all, the new government coming into power and the and the Knesset being suspended. But the the key is that you have the the primaries coming up i think august 8th nightly could is the 9th um, the other parties are having their their primaries and that determines then the order a or large of the order or most of the parties at least uh, we'll see also if uh, there'll be any more mergers or separations within the parties so it's really internal uh, inside baseball politics at this point uh, until and usually till after the summer vacation when things really heat up. But until but till now, there is still, for those who read the Israeli press and uh, see that the statements that are being made, the threats um, and counter-threats between the different uh, function, uh, parties, but I think that there is a lot of dust that has to settle that people get clarified about where they are, obviously on the external threats, with what happened in uh, with the arrest of the leaders of Pidge, which is very significant, but again gets little coverage, uh, and the concern about retaliatory strikes from Gaza. Uh, the security situation always unites and gets uh, priority. Uh, but I think you will see the more heated debates and exchanges coming up a- after Labor Day.
0: Did you see the uh, human rights investigator at the U.N. speaking against Israeli membership of the United Nations?
1: And I know that virtually everybody listening is probably yawning as soon as you said it. And the answer is it's very important. This is a guy appointed to be one of three, all three, anti-Israel, having made hostile statements about Israel, even Jews in this case. Um, And it's it's shared by uh, Pule, who has a long history from South Africa, of anti-Israel comments, and these three are put in charge of the Commission of Inquiry, which is open-ended, open-funded, open-staffed, meaning they can have as many people as they want, whatever they need, they're supposed to get for as long as they want, meaning they'd go on for years, collecting data and charges against the occupied territories, including Jerusalem and Israel. That's the the actual language in the mandate and the 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 fact is that this guy said stuff that was so far beyond the pale. It is justification for the existence of this committee. We have been uh, fighting it and you saw that many countries, almost all the European countries, everybody came out against them. It's re- it is serving a purpose in discrediting uh, this commission and the fact that the UN will be spending millions of dollars in addition to the two ongoing committees on Palestinians uh, that spends many millions of dollars a year as well and the, the I think that this will at least waken some people to examine uh, the purpose of the commission and the way it is functioning maybe to put them on notice but it won't impact their outcome they, they've already predetermined they issued a report already but they can go to the international Criminal Court with charges you can be sure they will I use the word apartheid often uh, because the, these are people who have used it in the past. So while many people, you know, will think, "Why do, who cares what he says, it matters what he says because this guy is sitting uh, along with the other two on top of what could be a vicious propaganda machine against Israel as the United Nations tends
0: to be. Unbelievable. Uh, just added to all the propaganda that's being uh, promulgated against Israel. By the way, on, on Iran, we—I uh, I didn't mention that uh, because it was a, an item from last week. Um, I think it was a New York Times article about drone technology sales and how much uh, uh, how much Iran is in that business now for countries that are outside the Middle East. And I'm just wondering, like, is, is that because there are certain countries that countries would not sell to, and that Iran is the only seller they can go to? Is that the reason for it?
1: Yeah, that was one thing I wanted to say is that he issued this guy issued an apology ten days after he gave the interview. It's a non-apology. It's totally irrelevant. So when people read it, read actually what he said. He did not really apologize, and and, uh, you know, he said uh, you know all the usual language that we hear from anti-Semites and others when they when they get caught. And uh, the backlash was so strong. you know, the Secretary General in a courageous way said, you know, he has no control over it, so others did. But there were courageous statements made in the United States and other European countries, and others did. So I just wanted to. There was an important development this yes. week in that regard. Right. And about the drones, yes, they have developed their drone industry because they have no Air Force. And this is really a substitute for Iran to fill that gap. And as you know, that they have. They are producing various long-range um, drones and short-range. Uh, Russia wants to buy a thousand, which tells you something about their own internal uh, uh, development and the their ability to supplant what they are losing in the in the Ukraine. And uh, are and the ones that uh, they're looking to sell both Turkey and Iran are are selling uh, drones, uh, but these can carry missiles they're not the kind of drones you're buying off the shelf although some of them are not much more sophisticated right. but they can carry and launch missiles etc so for iran uh, as you saw when they attacked in yemen and elsewhere they're using uh, drones and missiles because they don't have an air force
0: and finally, it's amazing to me that the Amir bombing in Argentina almost 30 years ago always continues to be in the news, and the Mossad now has said that Hezbollah is completely responsible and that the Buenos Aires and Iranian officials and officers uh, should not necessarily be blamed. What do you think of that recent development?
1: Um, I think that it's uh, surprising that they issued that report Uh they don't say, and I don't exculpate Iran. Iran was certainly involved in the planning, because they were talking about the execution mm-hmm. and saying that it was Hezbollah that uh, executed it, but you still see that, that none of the people have been held to account. Nobody's been brought to trial. There are red letters, and yet, again, some, you know, from Interpol, that they're supposed to be arrested, yet they, some of those accused travel freely. Uh, there are, uh, you know, really mixed signals in, in uh, Argentina where they're still holding the plane, That um, came from Iran via Venezuela and other stops, Uh, although the crew has been released, and we don't know whether this is really, they're really willing to go to the mat completely on it, but it's a plain subject to sanctions, and they're afraid that they get hit by the sanctions if they don't do it. Uh, and it reminds us of the importance of of the sanctions regime but you know the government in argentina is a very troublesome one as are all the governments in south america these days and um, there were, there was some outreach by the president to uh, to israel but i think it's it's um, pretty superficial at this point
0: uh, tomorrow night we observe Tisha B'Av and, uh, there's one uh, lesson to learn. It's that the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel and we look forward to the day when we don't have to fast and we'll have, uh, we'll have, uh, you know, a, 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 different renewed era, uh, in this world and Israel. But I think the most important thing is to remember that we're on the road to that. And I think that, uh, uh both in terms of uh, community relationships and personal relationships, I know this is a really important uh, time of year and an important uh, day that, that to concentrate on those things. And hopefully as we move forward, the unity of the Jewish people will lead to a a unified presence in Israel the way God has envisioned it to be.
1: And and remember to read the kingdom that deals with the Jews of Worms who were begged to come back after Gullus Babel. And they wrote back and said, we have, you have your great Jerusalem there, we have our little Jerusalem here, and did not respond to the call to come back. And they say that during the Crusades and things, they suffered worse than any other people because of any other community because of it. So it's a reminder to us that as much as we think we're doing well, look at the anti-Semitism, look at the challenges, look at the threats that we face here and around the world, that we not take Israel for granted. And most of all, the lesson... That and the lack of unity, and when Jews are pitted against Jews, we pay, all of us pay a heavy price for it.
0: No question about it. Uh, have a good Shabbos and an easy fast, and we'll speak again next week.
1: A meaningful fast to everyone, and uh, yes, to
0: Next week, Shabbos Nachamu, we'll have a chance to speak to uh, Malcolm Honline on Eruv Shabbos Nachamu here at JMA. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman, the conference of presidents of major American Jewish organizations.